0: And a good Sunday morning. It is nine minutes past seven o'clock on this Sunday morning. Eleven degrees outside. Cloudy. Kind of chilly out there. Brr. Well, we are lucky and unlucky today. We have two wonderful women filling in for Dr. David Hilden, who is traveling this week. So we will introduce them to you and remind you that this is an open phone show. And that means that you can ask anything and everything... And we can't promise they'll have all the answers, but they'll certainly have some nice direction for you, perhaps, to call to Hennepin Healthcare downtown Minneapolis, which is absolutely filled with smart people. We have uh, Natalie Eichmann, who is a physician's assistant at the Family Medical Department at Hennepin Health, and also Megan McCoy. So good morning, Natalie. How are you? Good.
1: How are you doing?
0: Well, we're getting along here on this Sunday morning, a little chilly. And Megan, how about you?
2: I'm great, Susie. How
0: are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for being on with us. Well, I know Dr. Hilden gave you a bit of a sort of a primer on what we're going to do this morning. But just so you know, it's basically open phones. And that means that I say that the number to text or call is 651-461-9226. That is the number to either call or text with a question for either of our physician assistants, 651-461-9226. I guess I will start with Natalie, if you don't mind. And you work in the family medical department at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, what are you seeing in your department right now? Is it busy? Are you seeing the flu, or what are are you seeing COVID? Are you seeing colds? Kind of give us a sense. We've been talking a lot this winter that people are out more, so we're getting like colds. Like I have a cold right now, and I didn't have one last year because no one went anywhere. So what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, Susie, I'm in the same boat. I have a cold right now, too, and I'm sure I got it from all the patients that we're seeing. Um, of course, we're, we're masked in our clinic and have all the protections in place, but we are seeing so many people coming in with COVID-like symptoms still, and it is keeping us very busy. Um, we are seeing some influenza. We are still seeing a lot of COVID, bronchitis, sinus infections, the typical run-of-the-mill illnesses that we typically
2: see in the winter time.
0: And would you share that sentiment as well, Megan?
2: Yeah, so I'm in an ear, nose, and throat clinic is my specialty, and so you can imagine the amount of nasal congestion and sore throats that I see on a regular basis and how much that's been exemplified by the winter and with COVID. It's pretty much on a daily basis that we're seeing people come in with these symptoms.
0: Does it at all, you mentioned this as well, Natalie, Um, Is it Natalia or Natalie? It's Natalie. Natalie, good, good. Okay, does it at all look like Omicron? I heard that, obviously everybody hears things, but that like a tickle, the upper respiratory might look like a cold, but it's actually Omicron. Is it presenting any differently than the regular or even Delta strain of COVID?
1: So it's really hard to tell the difference when you uh, see the patient. The presentation is very similar. You know, we're seeing the cough, the fevers, the headaches, and really the best way to determine what's going on is to you get, get that COVID test. Now, specifically, we're not sequencing right now um, between the variants, but um, the hospital has more detail on that. But at the clinic's site, we're just testing for COVID positive or not. And many patients now know what to do when they get those results, but really trying to educate patients on prevention, hand-washing, mask-wearing, staying away from large gatherings.
0: And a texture writes in this morning, how long are you contagious after COVID symptoms have subsided?
1: So the, the contagious period is typically 10 days. So when you get your first symptom, that is day zero. And then that second day, it starts as day one. And so you count all the way out to 10 days out. And once it's been 10 days and you're no longer having a fever and your cough, your respiratory symptoms or your cough has improved, then that's when you know that you're not contagious anymore.
0: All right. Again, the number to call is 651-461-9226. You can either call or you can use that same number to text us. With your questions, it's an open phone show, and you know what that means. You get to ask anything and everything that is on your mind, and we will answer it to the best of our ability here. I say are. I mean these two fine women because I don't have any medical background. It is 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more of your calls and texts after this on Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning. And a good Sunday morning to you. It is 17 minutes past 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It is Healthy Matters. I'm Susie Jones along with Natalia I call her Natalie Eichmann who is a physician's assistant and Megan McCoy also a physician's assistant at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, Natalie works at the family medical department at Hennepin Health and Megan works in the is that right? The ear, nose and throat department. Megan. Yep, we call it E N T for short. E N T. I've been there many times with young children. They always seem to get ear yeah. infections. That's one of our. That's right. <laughs> My child included. Yeah, and sometimes you get the the uh, horrid double ear infection. No. Yep. No fun. Yep. No sure. fun. Hey, we have a caller. Well, let's take Tom, who is on line one. Uh, good morning, Tom. You're on the air with uh, Megan and Natalie. What's your earlier question? this
2: year? Earlier this year in March, um, I had a full hip replacement, and for some reason, I'm it formed. They say bursitis, and why would it? Why would I have bursitis, and why does it hurt so much? Good question, yeah. Natalie. Do you want to take? Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's that's more in my area of expertise. Megan is an ear, nose, and throat, and this is definitely lower than the the head. So I'll take this. <laughs> um, so hip bursitis is a really painful condition and, um, you know, if, if you've been diagnosed with hip bursitis, um, one of the treatments that they can do is physical therapy. So what I would recommend doing is maybe going back to talk to your surgeon and letting him or her know about your development and potentially reaching out to a physical therapist to help improve the pain that you're experiencing around your hip.
0: All right, thanks for the call, 651-461-9226. That is the number to call if you want to come on the air with us, or you can also text us a question, 651-461-9226. One of our texters earlier this morning was on quite early, um, asked about sugar addiction. Are there foods or exercises that can help, um, you know, counteract? This person actually has um, uh, a heart condition. But also, I think for all of us to deal with sugar, especially this time of year, right, where it's everywhere, right. um, how do you deal with uh, sugar addictions or even just limiting sugar? Like, what can you do to sort of put a stop to it? And either Not one. This,
1: I'll take this. I'll take this caller too. Um, so I have a weight management program at the Golden Valley Clinic. And I have been doing that for seven years and, um, and have really worked with so many patients who struggle with their weight and their eating patterns. And what I will say is that patients that have issues with sugar addiction, there's a few things that they can do. First of all, reading the labels on the back of, the, of their food items and looking for added sugar. That's different than total sugar. So making sure that the added sugar is the most, is the lowest amount of grams added to the product. Another thing that they can do is working on eating more fruits and vegetables that have uh, natural sugars in them rather than um, commercially produced sugars. And then, of course, working on cardiovascular exercise, which is so great for your heart health. And so simple walking or bicycling, And even stair-stepping in your own house, you can do that on your own, and that's really going to build the strength in your heart. But if this patient uh, wants more help with sugar addiction, we do have a program at Hennepin Healthcare that we can address those issues, and they can schedule at 612-873-6963.
0: And they can come in and do kind of an evaluation like you would any other addiction kind of a situation or even just not addiction but just want to know about their diet?
1: Absolutely, yes. We offer an intensive lifestyle intervention program with our providers that provide this type of care for patients, and we offer them nutrition, physical activity, behavior change, as well as medications to help them with their addiction, which there are a handful of them out there that can help with sugar addiction. Yeah,
0: right. And is that something that you have to be referred, or can you go in and if your insurance covers it, you're all good?
1: Yep, you can, as long as we're covered by your network, you can just go ahead and call and make an appointment at the number I just said, 612-873-6963, and there is no referral needed.
0: You know, I think as we come to the end of the year as well, a lot of people have that as a resolution, as a goal to become more physically fit, to be more conscious and aware of what they put in their mouth. That would be a wonderful place to start, at least to get some more information and see what might be available for them if they want to really Examine what's happening with their body and and what changes they might like to see, right?
1: Absolutely. We welcome anyone and anyone from all walks of life, all weight, um, you know, whether they're you know, dealing with a little bit of excess weight or dealing with a lot of excess weight, we see it all.
0: Yeah. 651-461-9226. That is the phone number. If you have a question you would like to ask either Natalie or Megan at Hennepin Healthcare, we're taking your calls. It's an open phone Show, which means you can really ask whatever you would like. Again, sugar addiction was one example of some of the kinds of questions that we get when we have open phone, but it's 651-461-9226. You can call and ask it right on the air, or you can just text it, and I will read it to our guests. Uh, This person writes, I'm a high-risk person. I am supposed to visit someone who is recently recovered from covid do you think I can visit them without wearing a mask?
1: Mm.
0: I don't know. That seems. I would
2: say, you know, Susie, it, it kind of depends on how long out from recovery and from the diagnosis that person is. Would you agree, Natalie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, um, you know, there's no harm in wearing a mask, it's going to protect you more. So as long as they're, you know, at least 10 days out from their diagnosis and wearing a mask would be probably more appropriate than not
0: all right very good thank you for that call let's go to steve steve is actually on our line wants to ask you a question in person or over the phone i should say good morning steve how are you Uh good morning how are you doing i'm good good what's your question for our guests our our sta- our special guest doctors
2: Thank you all healthcare workers and my question is for uh, ear health um, I'm dealing with a little bit of tinnitus uh, for ear health is it a good idea to flush out your ears daily with the uh, little blue plunger uh, to uh, just keep them clean great question Steve I get asked that all the time um, so the actual answer is no Uh, What's kind of nice about our ears is that they're actually self-cleaning, meaning that you don't need to do anything to get wax out. In fact, we make wax for a reason. It's supposed to be there. And the purpose of wax is to trap any dirt, debris, and bacteria that can get into our ears so that it doesn't migrate down towards our eardrum and cause us problems. So having some wax is actually very healthy. You don't need to do anything to get the wax out. Basically, it grows like skin. Uh, and if you've noticed on other areas of your body that you can see, your skin sloughs off every once in a while. It gets a little bit flaky. Earwax does the same thing. So you might notice one morning you wake up and there's a couple of flakes of earwax on your pillow or you might see some on your finger if you scratch your ear. But you certainly don't need to go in and dig that stuff out. And in fact, the risk of causing harm is much greater than any benefit you would get from it. So I absolutely do not recommend Doing any type of cleaning, especially with Q tips. That's a big no no.
0: And yet, some of us still do it. Including... Yes, do. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit that. Oh,
2: dear. Mm-hmm. Because
0: obviously, the risk is that you'll damage your eardrum.
2: Yes, and I've seen it before. But I understand it's a hard habit to break. And there are people who do get excessive earwax. And I have patients who come in and see me every few months just so that i can clean their ears but i do it very safely and that's a fairly unique situation where they actually get so much wax that impacts their hearing
0: all right we will take a break right now six five one four six one nine two two six if you have a text question you can do that using that line six five one four six one nine two two six you can also write that number down and call us we'll take a break here with a couple of commercials and then when we come back we'll take more of your calls and answer more of your tasks, texts right after this on Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning. And we are back. It is Healthy Matters on this Sunday, this Sunday before Christmas. Again, Christmas is coming up next week. We will be back, though, on the 26th of December with more Healthy Matters. It is 7.31. Our guests this morning sitting in for Dr. David Hilden. We have Megan McCoy, and we have Natalie Eichmann, both physicians' assistants at Hennepin Healthcare. We have some really good text questions coming in. This person writes, um, well, we'll start with this one. What are some possible causes of an enlarged heart in an adult? Our family mm-hmm. member will have, um, I can't, echocardiogram this week. Uh, what does that mean? In either yeah. one? Yep, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I can take this one. So an enlarged heart can be from many things. Um, It can be congenital, meaning that they were born with it and they're just discovering it now. Um, Sometimes when the heart is larger, it has to work harder. Um, And sometimes it can be acquired, so something that they developed since they were born. And um, there can also be heart disease associated with it and um, fluid issues. So the best thing is, is that because they were ordered an echocardiogram Whether it's by their family medicine provider or maybe in the ER, uh, they can certainly go talk with a cardiologist, a heart specialist, Mm. and they will have a plan for this patient. It's really hard to say knowing, you know, just the basic details of an enlarged heart. It could be many things, but luckily we have many cardiologists in the city that can help them figure out what's going on.
0: All right. Very good. Another texter writes, and I'll remind people once again, it's 651 461 That's the number to text. Or if you are listening to the program right now and you want to call in, you are certainly welcome to do that and ask your question over the air with me. Uh, I talked to a pharmacist about the take-home COVID-19 tests who said they are 100% accurate for negative and 95% accurate for positive. Um, I guess they say, what does that even mean? And I would say that a lot of families, mine included, are talking about asking guests before they come to Christmas to take one of those tests that you get at the drugstore and you put the drops in the one hole and then you stick the nasal thing in your nose and then put it through and wait 15 minutes. It kind of reminds me of a pregnancy test Mm -hmm. because, you know, the two lines, one is not pregnant and two is pregnant. Do you remember that? I don't know if anyone ever took a pregnancy test, but I have. Anyway, the point is, people, I know families are going to be getting together this week. And so is that something that we can do to kind of put ourselves at ease a little bit? What do you say to that, either Natalie or Megan, and just say who you are before you answer?
2: Sure. I'll jump in first. Susie, it's Megan. Um, The numbers quoted by that caller are a little bit higher than my understanding. Um, I am not a rapid COVID uh, expert by any means, Um, but we use a lot of COVID tests in my clinic because we do what's called aerosol uh, generating procedures where we're actually sticking instruments into the nose and mouth and are considered high risk. So we test most of our patients before they come to our clinic. And as a clinic, uh, we have decided that the rapid tests are, because they are not as sensitive, meaning accurate, uh, we are not going to be accepting those. Instead, you're going to have to get the other test, which is the PCR test, which typically takes a little bit longer to get results. Um, But to answer the question about doing a rapid test before you see family, I certainly think it's a great idea, especially if you're asymptomatic. The problem is, is those rapid tests are less specific again accurate when you're asymptomatic they are much more likely to be correct if you're showing symptoms um but it's definitely a good thing to do in fact i'm doing it myself and i'm swabbing my whole family um before we see our family for the holidays because i do think that it gives you some peace of mind natalie i don't know if you have any um have a different perspective on the numbers there
1: yeah they don't sound as quite as accurate but i I can reassure people that taking the home test is a great idea if you have no access to the pcr test and it will give you some information to go forward so if you get a negative you can you, you can't completely rely on that but if you get a positive it's very likely going to be positive. So talking well mm-hmm. with your doctor, sending them a message or giving them a call, um, might help clarify things for you. But I would say in general, taking the home test is better than nothing.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, cause I think a lot of people okay. will be taking those home tests before heading out to wherever it is they're traveling for the holiday.
2: And Susie though, that's, that's depending on if you can find them right now. They're really tough to find because, you know, COVID is obviously surging in Minnesota. And I went just a couple weeks ago and couldn't, I went to three different pharmacies and couldn't find them. So they're mm. tough.
0: I bought three boxes the last time I was at Walgreens because I thought, well, you know, I just want these around because for work, if we're exposed to COVID, you know, I mean, well, COVID is deadly and horrible and everybody's getting sick. It's also kind of an annoyance and a disruption because once you're around someone who has COVID, a lot of places, including here at our station, you have to have a negative test before you can come to work. And right. that, you know, that's a step. You got to go blah, 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 and get this and that and this. And the, the home tests are pretty quick to give you a negative. And as you said, not always pre- completely predictable, but better than nothing when you need to, you know, get back to work.
1: And I will say too, this is Natalie speaking, that if you have COVID and you are diagnosed with a positive test, you are likely going to test positive for 90 days. So getting a test after you've recovered from your illness is not helpful because it will always stay positive in most cases up to 90 days.
0: And that's something that got a lot of us We had a bit of a fight in our house, as many families have had fights in their house about this, Um, because some people say, well, you're not contagious for the 10 days, but it won't go away for 90 days, and if you need to show a negative test, that puts you out of work for 90 days, because you're never going to be able to show a a test that doesn't show you positive, right? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So we write letters for our patients saying that they tested positive and they are now recovered and out of the contagious phase and that they can return to work even though their PCR would still say positive so we typically say do not retest it's not helpful because you will still be shedding some of those viral particles and that is what's showing up positive on the test.
0: Okay, very good. 6514619226 that's the number if you want to text either. Natalie Eichmann, who is a physician's assistant at family medical in the family medical department at Hennepin Healthcare, also Megan McCoy, a physical, a physician's assistant, and Megan, you're in the ear, nose, and throat area, correct? Correct. So, if you have a question along those lines, feel free to jump in as well. It is seven thirty nine, and you are listening to Healthy Matters on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Uh, Texture writes, I lost my hearing in June in my left ear immediately. I went to the emergency room because of the fear I was having a stroke, had an MRI. Everything showed was good. I'm now hearing. Um, Now they say our hearing aids recommended wondering if uh, heart surgery this past April could have had anything to do with that. That's an interesting
2: tie in. Yeah, great question. So uh, I'll take this one, Natalie. Uh, so what uh, this sounds like is something called idiopathic sudden sensorineural hearing loss, and it's actually something that I've studied quite closely the last several years. It's rare to have it happen. Uh, it only happens to about five and 10,000 people. Uh, however, I see it fairly regularly within my line of work, and we actually think it's probably more common than that. So we don't know what causes sudden hearing loss. It was a good idea to rule out stroke in the emergency department. Um, And once you know that's not what it is, you're left with this hearing loss. Now, um, with the relation to surgery, I have seen this before. I have seen people develop sudden hearing loss after surgery. We don't know why. Even when surgery is not involved and people get this, we don't know exactly what causes it. We have theories. So, uh, by far and large, in the United States, the overarching theory is viral. And COVID can cause this, but even before COVID, we were telling people it was a virus that we can't necessarily test for. um, And antivirals don't work. What does work about 30% of the time are steroids. However, the caveat is you have to get started on steroids within two weeks. After two weeks, it's very unlikely that you're going to get any improvements with any type of treatment. In Europe, they tend to think that this sudden hearing loss is due to a lack of oxygen or blood flow to the cochlea, which is the hearing apparatus. And so they started using something called hyperbaric oxygen, which is a type of treatment that essentially forces oxygen into your body by changing the atmospheric pressure. We have an oxygen chamber at Hennepin, so I started a study where we used oxygen to try and treat sudden hearing loss. And it does work, but again, we have that two-week time frame. So after two weeks, it's unlikely to help. And so for my advice to anybody out there, if you lose your hearing suddenly, like you wake up with no hearing one day or it happens very quickly as opposed to gradual, you get in to see your doctor or an ENT right away because it is considered somewhat of of an emergency. Uh, To answer the question whether a hearing aid would help, it depends. Uh, It depends on your hearing test. It depends on how bad your hearing is. It depends on whether the connection between your ear and your brain was affected, meaning even if you can't hear, if it's loud enough, does your brain still understand it? That would be a good candidate for a hearing aid as opposed to even if it's loud enough, you still don't understand it because that connection has been lost. So it's hard to say just based on that question. But certainly an audiologist would be able to tell you if you're a good hearing aid candidate.
0: All right. It is 742. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got Frank, Sue, and George all waiting on our news line to ask you questions. So it's 651-461-9226. If you have a question for either Natalie Eichmann or Megan McCoy, both at Hennepin Healthcare, both physicians' assistants, and we'll get to your calls right after this. Good morning. It is 747 on a Sunday morning. I'm Susie Jones, and we are talking all things health with Hennepin Health Cares, uh, Physicians assistants, Natalie Eichmann and Megan McCoy. And we have Frank, Sue, and George on the line, and we'll try to get to all three of those, plus a few texts thrown in there as well before we end the program today. Frank, you are first. Go ahead. You're on the air with our Physicians assistants. Go ahead.
1: Hi. Good morning. Good uh- morning i'm a side sleeper you know with the ear usually in the pillow and a lot of times i'll wake up and it feels more like there's a liquid uh, type thing in my ear i'm just wondering if that's just a wax buildup or is that normal good question
2: frank do you you see anything on the pillow when you get up
0: i'm sorry frank dropped off so you'll have to just sort of give him your best your best answer
2: so it could be you know when we this is Megan when we sleep our uh, bodies heat up as does our earwax and our ears and when earwax heats up it can liquefy a little bit and so it can feel like you have some liquid in your ear Uh, and that's actually a fairly common thing that I see I asked about if there's any drainage on the pillow because it could indicate something else like an infection um, or you know sometimes eczema in the ear can do that as well so Uh, certainly something though to get checked out just to make sure
0: all right very good let's go to sue next sue you're on the air with the physician's assistants what's your question thank you Uh, i just had recently a blood test and they said my
2: potassium was really high 5.5 i eat spinach nuts and bananas every day do i quit it or what else could i do thank you
0: thank you for the call sue that's an interesting question
1: so I'll take this. This is Natalie and um, this is definitely a concern. We de- we don't want to have your potassium go too high. It can be very dangerous for your health. Typically it's from a medication. So talking with your doctor right away about which medications you're on that can cause something called hyperkalemia. That is what a high potassium is and Talking with them quickly so you can decide if you need to stop this medication or if you need to take something to help improve the number. Typically, it's from a blood pressure medication. So having that conversation is important.
0: All right, very good. Let's go to George next. George is on the line as well with a question. Good morning,
2: George. Good morning, ladies. I'm uh, 87 years old, and uh, for the last 40 years, I've got steroid or cortisone shots in both hips every 90 days. And unfortunately, it only lasts for 30 days, but they won't allow any any quicker. And I also take a uh, tropical gel, 100% or 1% piclotanic or something like that. And I'm wondering if the uh, tropical gel is doing any good. Is there anything better I can use? And is there? Any, I also did physical therapy. Is there anything I can do other than hip surgery? Thank you.
0: Thanks for the call, George.
1: That's a great question, George. I'll take this one. This is Natalie in the family medicine department. So this is um, so unfortunate to have hip pain. It impacts you so much because you're walking every day, and so you can feel it all the time. Um, You know, if you've tried the steroids and you've tried the gel and physical therapy, there may be a need to pursue surgery, but only your surgeon would know what to recommend um physical therapy is usually one of the greatest options so maybe revisiting some of those exercises or maybe meeting with a new physical therapist to get another um, opinion could be really helpful but talking with your doctor and seeing if they think that a surgery is an option for you is a good thing to do although the recovery can you know be really tough so it's really a balance of what you want in your life
0: all right this texter writes hi chris from lakeville I got a breakthrough COVID case at Thanksgiving. How long do I need to wait to get my booster shot? Either
2: one of you? Ooh, that's a good question. How would you answer that, Natalie?
1: So we typically say once you've recovered from your illness. So, you know, it could be as early as 10 days. Two to three weeks maybe out from your original illness is going to be a rough estimate, but it really depends on on each patient. So mm. I think you can safely say somewhere between three to four weeks, potentially, depending on what your medical provider would recommend.
0: Another text to write... Oh, go ahead.
2: Sorry. sorry. That's okay. I'm go the important thing is that you do get a booster. Even though you've had a breakthrough case, uh, we're still recommending boosters for everybody.
0: Okay, good to know. Keep getting those boosters. Will we ever have a fourth booster, or is there no way to know that quite yet? I mean, a fourth shot. Do you guys have any sense about that? Have you heard any rumblings? I know.
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, what I've read, and again, nothing is official, is most likely this will be something you get yearly like the flu shot.
0: Mm-hmm. We're hearing a lot of – we're getting a lot of questions about flu shots right now. A lot of people um, – I fell ill Monday, went to the doctor Tuesday, was diagnosed with influenza. Um, Mm -hmm. Wondering here, is it Sunday? Would they still be contagious today? That's such a big part of our conversation is going to be the next couple days is are we contagious with anything? Um, How long does influenza generally stay in your system?
1: So I would tell this patient, and this is Natalie, by the way, I would tell this patient that making sure that they have no fever or respiratory symptoms um roughly about 10 days out you know we're we're trying to be really cautious about passing on any illness to family members especially during the holiday times so waiting as long as you can to start interacting with people so probably around 10 day, 7 to 10 days would be my recommendation
0: and if someone really feels like they don't want to miss christmas myself included you're you're wearing a mask is that a good way to protect yourself or no
1: Certainly. So masking is so effective at preventing any spread of respiratory illnesses, influenza, cold, COVID. But it's really important to know that if you are positive for COVID and you want to go to Christmas and you're within those 10 days, we do not recommend that. Even though masks prevent the spread, we still don't want to be around anybody because we are still shedding viral particles and masks are not 100% effective, but they're very effective.
0: Well, that is good information right there, so if you have it and you have been diagnosed and you're in that 10-day window, sorry to say, as much as it hurts to miss the family gathering, probably best to do so. Correct. Okay. Well, you know, we're all just coming off the holidays from last year where nobody did anything. You know, we didn't even have Christmas last year. We had a virtual Christmas with my cousins and mom and sisters, so this year, a little bit different, but still some of those rules remain listen we are coming up against the end of the program we just want to thank you guys so much for being a part of it and to remind people if they have any questions they can ask you monday right on the uh, where should they call hennepin Healthcare, and how do they get a hold of you
2: so the number for our hennepin Healthcare is 612-873-6963 and if you call that number you can schedule an appointment with natalie in the family medicine department uh, especially I'll plug that great slim down program It's excellent. Natalie is a guru in weight loss, and she's wonderful at it. If you need to see me in the ear, nose, and throat department, uh, it's the same number, and you can schedule through that same line. And, of course, we have all the other departments at Hennepin Healthcare and all the providers that do such a great job taking care of our patients.
0: Awesome. Have a happy holiday, everyone. Back next Sunday on Healthy Matters.